Welcome to the Beyond the Box War podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Chris Cottrell. Currently the head boys basketball coach at South Glen Falls High School. He was also previously the head men's basketball coach at Davis and Elkins. And was a college coach for over 15 years. Coach, how's it going? Good, Dave. How are you? Doing well, man. Want to give yourself a, a brief introduction to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Chris Cottrell. Uh, currently, I coach high school basketball in upstate New York at South Brunswick Falls High School. Uh, spent 12 years between NCAA Division One and Division Two as an assistant coach and head coach. And currently, I'm uh, producing a podcast, the Bonafide Basketball Podcast, covering all of NCAA Division Two men's basketball. It's a little bit about me. Awesome. Now, Coach, you grew up in New York and were the son of a coach. What was that like growing up? It was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It gave me a really deep appreciation for the game. And my father, you know, taught me how to love the game. And uh, and, and he loves the game. And, and just being in the gym with him was a really, really fun experience, unique experience, something we share, you know, to this day. And I wasn't a very good player, but uh, I just loved the game. So it was a really fun experience for me and, and still for him. Now, from what I recall, you played multiple sports in high school. A two-part question. Were, were you ever pressured to specialize in one sport? And again, if memory serves me correct, did your dad switch levels so that he was not your head coach? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so I didn't face a lot of pressure to specialize in any sport, Dave. I didn't face a lot of pressure um, to be, to, to really, really like be elite. And my parents were really supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And however I did it, I had very, you know, very understanding and loving parents who let me kind of find my own way. And, you know, I, uh, he, he was a varsity coach for a year, the year before I got there. And the coach that I played for was a family friend of a long time. And they had worked together for almost 30 years uh, coaching. So that transition was just something we agreed might be easier for both of us. And uh, doesn't, doesn't change how much fun we had. You know, we had a great time together. Um, but I didn't face really a whole lot of pressure. I just loved playing. I loved being on teams. I, I loved having the opportunity to, to be around my father. Now, you ended up going to High Point University where I went uh, you know, a few years before me. But what was the process like to become a manager back then? So it was really unique because when I visited High Point, um, I, I visited my parents. I met Coach Steele, who was the coach before uh, Bart Lundy. You know, I had it all worked out to, to work for Coach Steele, and I fell in love with the campus on my visit, decided that's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be around basketball, just kind of give it a shot and see, you know, see what the manager thing was like. And when Coach Steele was, uh, when he retired, um, you know, they hired Bart Lundy, and Coach Lundy called me in July from Las Vegas. He was recruiting with Coach Shirts. They were in Las Vegas recruiting. He called me. We did kind of an introduction over the phone and invited me to meet with him, you know, on the fir- my first day on campus. And we, we met. Um, he told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. So basically gave me the opportunity to be around as much as I wanted to. And 
uh, ended up, you know, ended up starting a, a relationship that's lasted to this day and got me into college coaching. It was really, you know, just what I wanted to do. They allowed me to make it what I wanted to. And I took every opportunity uh, to make it as, as good as I could. You know, obviously the coaching staff went on to have success after High Point. Who were the coaches and the managers during your years at High Point? Gosh, we had we had some awesome uh, we had some awesome coaches. I worked for Coach Lundy and and Coach Shirts. They were both there for five years uh, while while I was there as a four year undergrad and then a, a graduate assistant. Uh, on our first staff, I worked with Sean Woods, who was a Kentucky unforgettable. He hit the shot before Christian Leitner uh, hit his shot for Duke. So Sean was awesome. Still keep in touch with Woodsy to this day. Uh, worked with Joe Willis, who is a high school coach now in Florida. Joe and I connect every so often. Um, Justin Furr was an assistant coach during our, my time at High Point. And Justin went on to coach at Newberry, UNC Wilmington, and uh, and down in Florida at Barry, and now he is he is at Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, so I stay in touch with Justin. He was a re- he's a really good friend. Uh, Dom Burgess, who came to High Point from VMI. Don had been in the league for a long time. A really great player in his own right at uh, at at Radford. So I worked with Don, who's now coaching high school in his hometown of Virginia. Uh, Brian McDonald with another assistant coach uh, from Philly um, bounces around between Pennsylvania and Florida, you know, so like managers, I worked with Billy Russo, who was a really good friend. He was in uh, the same fraternity as I was Jake Lawrence. I worked with Jake for four years, Hobbin Woldemichael. Um, you know, so we had, we had a lot of really good, uh, good times. We're all young. We're all trying to figure, you know, figure everything out uh, at the same time. You know, we we just had a blast. I mean, we had a, a lot a lot of fun at High Point during those years. God, I forgot some of those names. I forgot you were there with Coach Wood. Yeah, yeah, it was our first year. It was really he was a he was a blast, man. Oh my God, what a riot! I can only imagine. You know, you're you mentioned you were also in a fraternity. How are you able to juggle both extracurricular activities in addition to being a strong student in the classroom? Um. You know, I think, I think Dave, you know, it's cliche, you know, it's really cliche to say, um, you know, you go as a manager and you do everything the coaches want you to do. Uh, But, but you know what, it's true, you know, and my priorities were always, you know, trying to advance my career and trying to be really successful and then balancing, you know, my friends and family. Um, But, you know, like I would do whatever the coaching staff asked me to do. Um, I would, I would focus on my academics I'd go out with my with my friends and, and have a have a great time. And the next day I would get up and do it all over again. It could be a Sunday. It could be, you know, during the summer. But, uh, you know, for for that amount of time that I was serving Coach Lundy and, and the staff, you know, it was it was get up, go to class, go to the office, do whatever they need me to do, whether it's something in practice or something, you know, to prepare for a camp or off season stuff, do whatever they asked me to do. And you know, go out with my boys and then uh, the next morning get up and, and do the same thing. So it really just came down to, you know, my priorities, uh, what I enjoyed doing, you know, trying to be really detailed, really organized. Um, obviously, when you're traveling 
and you're managing your academics, you know, detail and organization is super important. That that served me well to this day. Those those qualities, I feel like um, never slept a lot. You know, still don't sleep a lot. So I, I had I, I had that advantage. But uh, but yeah, you know, I just I think you got to really just do whatever you feel is right at the moment based on what your priorities are. And then those evolve as you get older. Forth from the duties you had as a manager back then. I know obviously running camp, you know, was a huge event down there. I mean, it's still people talk about the camp that uh, Lundy used to run at High Point. Yeah, camps were huge. I mean, my freshman year, Dave, it was really, um, it was really pretty simple. You know, laundry uh, after practice. You know, whatever the coaches wanted during the day. And, and then, you know, as they got more comfortable and we got more comfortable with one another, uh, my, my duties expanded, you know, so, uh, anything from, you know, film exchange to camp, to recruiting mail outs, to recruiting calls, to research calls, you know, by my fourth year, uh, by my senior year, I was involved in, you know, I was handling all the film exchange, all the pre-scout material, uh, I was doing some recruiting research on the front end, you know, and then it, you know, include it's still doing laundry, still doing meal plans, still doing camp stuff. Um, but you know, again, like it's cliche, everyone says they start out, you know, doing whatever the coaches ask. And it's re- like, it's really true. You know, oh, there'd be days where coach Lundy would ask me, Hey, do you mind, you know, babysitting? I've had this come up. We got to have this or that, or, you know, do you mind going to pick up, you know, one of the boys from school or daycare and, it, you know, it evolves as you build trust, you know, doing those things, your responsibilities evolve to where when I was a GA, you know, I did, I, you know, I was running the camps with, with coach McDonald. We were doing the camp together. Um, you know, we were, we were, I was involved in recruiting. I was involved in uh, film exchange and stat breakdowns and advanced scouting. So, you know, it went, it, you know, it really kind of evolved from just being a laundry guy and a practice guy to, um to whatever the coaches need. And then, and, you know, that, that grew my coaching, uh, my experience and my well-roundedness, you know, to be able to do more than one thing. You know, I heard a rumor years ago, you mentioning that you were involved in the recruiting. Were we, was High Point ever in the mix for Steph Curry? Uh, Way back. I mean, I think very initially they were, you know, I, I knew we were very initially, um, but you know that that's we're involved in a lot of guys. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had a great recruiting base at High Point between you know DC and South. We really got into the DC area. Uh, my last year there, but into South Carolina, Coach Shirts did a great job in South Carolina and, and Florida. So, you know, we were involved in. It. I mean, there's a lot of names you could go through. Steph Curry just one of you know dozens. Gotcha. I mean, the High Point had some amazing talent come through the doors at Miller Center. You know, talk about the work ethic and talent of guys like AZ Reed, Akeem Scott, Danny Gathings, and such. Um, well, the you know work ethic. You know, no one touched Arizona. I mean, no one touched AZ Reed. He was in a league of his own when it came to working out, and, and I only know that because you know my last two years there as a senior and a GA. I mean, you know, he would call me and. Uh, and say, yo, yo, coach, get me, get, get to the Miller Center. And it'd be, you know, eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. And I'd go rebound and they had just built 
they had just built a new student center, my GA, my GA year. And he would call me, you know, seven o'clock in the morning uh, because maybe the middle center wasn't open or something. We'd go into the student center. But but Arizona's work ethic was unparalleled. And wow. he was so committed to being good. And he was such a good leader uh, with our team. But guys like Landon Quick and, and Gene Harris. Gene Harris was real, uh, a tremendous guard. He shot it really well at the time, was one of the best three-point shooters in high points history when he graduated. Um, but, but Gene had a great work ethic. I'd rebound for Gene all the time. Uh, and that's really where you know, I learned how to work with players, was rebounding for AZ, you know, rebounding for Gene and Mike Jefferson and Landon Quick, guys that came in. And our culture had evolved, you know, first couple of years, it wasn't like that. And you know, then you bring in uh, you bring in a, an Arizona Reed, and he just changes the culture by how hard he works. Everyone else is trying to keep up. So we had some, like you said, Dave, great players. You know, great work ethic. But to get to that level, you have to have some things embodied already, and it grows. You know, when you see the kind of success you have uh, as you work at it. So definitely, uh, definitely Arizona. That that dude worked uh, relentlessly. No doubt. Now, you were one of, the, if not the first graduate assistant in the history of the program, to my recollection. Did you receive any kind of assistance with tuition back then, or did you have any other opportunities you looked at besides high I, I, You know, I didn't have any other opportunities. Um, I kind of made up my mind that I wanted to stay at High Point. All my best friends were still there uh, from, you know, from, from undergrad, and I, I felt comfortable with Coach Lundy and Coach Schertz. I knew they were going to be there. And I, I didn't make, you know, I didn't make any money. I'd get a little cash here and there, but, uh, you know, I didn't make any money. Didn't get any help with tuition. I was fortunate to have some alternative income, you know, uh, you know, later on when I was, when I was older down in high point, but, uh, you know, I, I knew that if I was going to pursue college coaching, this may be the, the way for the time being, you know, it might be a year or two of, of no money and then see where it leads. If it's, something I want to continue to do. Uh, my parents were really supportive. Uh, obviously my family was supportive. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it, you know, it was, it was a challenge, you know, from a financial standpoint, but you know, that was well worth the risk I was taking to stay in college coaching. When was that moment that you realized you wanted to become a coach, you know, whether it was college or just, you know, a career basketball coach? Well, I went to, I went to, high point thinking I was going to get an education degree and uh, become a high school coach and, and teacher, which I am now. So it worked out pretty well. Um, but, you know, I think the moment where it really hit me was like, this is uh, this college thing. I could be pretty good at it. You know, I, I remember coach shirts took me on a recruiting trip sure. with him and I was, you know, I think I was a sophomore, maybe junior. And uh, I think we went to Charlotte and we went to see, um, and to see a player in Charlotte and it just, it was like, wow, this really is, this is a good gig. You know, this is a good gig. And, and I really like, I like the practice. I like the competition. I like how, you know, how engrossed I am in basketball. And maybe this is something I really want to pursue my junior year. I really threw myself into, into the managing and, and really trying to grow and expand my coaching uh, knowledge, you know, junior, senior year, that led me to, to be able to stay on and work with coach Lundy as a GA. But yeah, like the moment where we're just driving in the car, we're talking hoop and it's like, damn, this is, this is really good stuff. And I could, I, I might be able to make a career out of this. 
that was definitely a defining moment for me. You know, Josh Schertz accepts the head coaching position at Lincoln Memorial. What about your relationship with him made you make the decision to leave High Point and become his assistant coach? Oh, he offered me $5,000. So, so <laughs> you, you know, you go from making no money to making, uh, making five grand, you're, you know, you're, you're a millionaire. Um, no, you know, I don't think anyone in anyone outside of my family has had as big an impact on my life as coach shirts. And I say that holistically, you know, not, not just basketball wise, but who I am as a person, um, you know, how I, how I approach my responsibilities, you know, some of that, the, the things that I still do to this day are a direct result of our relationship. And, uh, and he knows that we're still very close, you know, um, but I, you know, he, our relationship, you know, was really strong when I was at high point because I would do a lot for him. I, I was constantly around. He might need, you know, and he would use me, you know, so, well, you know, pop into the office, Hey, what do you need? Nothing. I'm good. Nothing. I'm good. And the church might send me, he might send me to Starbucks and then go make five phone calls and then report back in an hour, you know? So, um, Josh really trusted me from the get go, um, with our relationship. And like I said, you know, you know, he offered me the, the second assistant spot at, uh, Lincoln Memorial. And it was a no brainer because I was going to go make money. Uh, he didn't tell me that before we started driving out there, what Lincoln Memorial was like being in Harrogate, Tennessee. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, that, that was a no brainer for me to go out there and work with coach shirts at Lincoln Memorial and, you know, that proved to be a great experience all around. You know, it's not New York pizza, but the gondolier is, uh, is pretty darn good food over there. It's all right. It's not, it's all right. You know, it's uh, the gondolier. It wasn't the gondolier before we got there. It was not the gondolier. When we got there, Dave, um, it used to be a Shoney's, and we used to go there on Tuesdays because it was T-Bone Steak Tuesday. So we would go to Shoney's <laughs> on Tuesday night. When we first got to Lincoln, man, um, we would work until, you know, nine, nine or 10 o'clock in the office. And the only place that was open for dinner at that point was Waffle King. So we'd go to Waffle King in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. We'd drive across the border about a five minute drive. We'd go to Waffle King, have, have breakfast, a uh, dinner, you know, which ended up usually being like eggs and toast at Waffle King. It was the only thing open after eight o'clock. So we'd go and have dinner at Waffle King. We'd get up the next morning and meet with the players and then go about our day and the next night, you know, we'd be in the office at eight thirty, nine o'clock. We'd look at each other and, and I'll drive to Waffle King again. So we had a lot of Waffle King and a lot of Shoney's uh, starting out in, in Harrogate. I love it. You know, you guys built Lincoln Memorial into an elite program. You coached numerous all-conference performers. You had four of your former players go on to play professionally. How were you able to get recruits to buy into a rookie head coach in a small town like Harrogate? You know, I think first thing is, you know, we just outworked people and we outworked people in in a number of ways. I don't say that casually. I I think, you know, we outworked people with creating relationships with our players. We outworked people by really diving into our recruiting base and getting to know our prospects. You know, Lance Egnatz was a really good recruiter. Um, and we worked together for five years, you know, Josh, obviously an incredible recruiter, incredible evaluator of talent, uh, and, and, um, 
you know, I think, I think we learned how to really work, not just hard, but really smart. We worked really, really hard and really, really smart. We maximized all of the resources we had. And then once our guys were there, you know, we invested, you know, Coach Egnatz and I invested all of our time in making our guys feel good and making them feel valued and making them feel like they're going to get better uh, from, from, you know, running strength and conditioning to our individual workouts to how we handled them academically. You know, we made them feel like this is the best possible place for them to be. Uh, and that started obviously during the recruiting process, but the guys bought into that. You know, they knew how much Coach Shirts cared and how much the assistants cared and, and you know, how hard we worked um, to make them feel good and feel good about being at Lincoln Memorial. Uh, when you create that kind of trust and that kind of culture, you know, of, of hard work and care, um, it, it really kind of takes care of itself. But Coach Shirts with a tremendous example of how to work and how to uh, how to create relationships. And then Coach Edgats and I just followed his lead and, and made our guys feel great about being there. We got them better. We got them their degrees, uh, you know, and, and helped them become, you know, better people. We have great guys I still keep in touch with from, you know, 15 years ago that played for us. And, you know, you look back and we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but but it seemed to work out okay. No, I'd say that is uh, absolutely true. You know, the guy, the team goes like 112 and 38 during the first five years there. You guys had two regular season titles, one tournament championship, and three NCAA uh, tournament appearances. What made the program so successful just besides talent and coaching? I mean, obviously, there's a lot that goes into it, but what was the secret? I think just the the amount of care we had across campus. we had tremendous alumni support, tremendous support from, you know, the board and the athletic board of trustees. We just had great support and everyone wanted to see it was like, it was like, you know, that that moment when, wait, we can re- we can win here. And then it was like, wait, we can really win here. You know, people got you know really involved with great support across the board. Uh, campus was super supportive. Alumni were super supportive. But the people that go into running that kind of program at that kind of level. As you know, Dave, you know, it's all about the people and the people at Lincoln Memorial are, are the reason the coach shirts is still there. You know, they're so supportive of him and what he's done and, and where the, the direction of the program, I mean, is still trending upward, you know. So the people make all the difference in, in spots like that. You know, after five plus years there, uh, you end up completing your master's degree from High Point and you were named the head coach at Davis and Elkins. It's a beautiful city in West Virginia. What made that the right program to break into the business as a head coach? Well, first, it, it was my only opportunity. And, uh, you know, you don't, you know, everyone always wants, you want head coaching experience, but you, unless you become a head coach, you can't get that experience. So them, you know, Ronnie Palmer giving me the opportunity, um, Dr. Mahalio giving me the opportunity to become the head coach there was, was first and foremost, uh, you know, the like why or when, you know, like you have to take advantage of opportunity when it not. So I think going there was a big, uh, big opportunity for me. After five years at Lincoln, I was 27. I felt like I was prepared, but their location was really good. You know, we're three hours from Pittsburgh. We were four hours from Cincinnati, three hours from Washington, D.C., three hours from Baltimore, four hours from Richmond, Virginia. I felt like we had a landscape we could recruit to. Um, in, in terms of getting guys to Davis and Elkins, getting them to West Virginia. And I felt like the vision 
you know, for the basketball program was what I wanted. It was a kind of a turnaround program, a rebuild uh, with good facilities and good, uh, good academic standing in the region. So I felt like it was a spot to fit what I wanted to do. You know, in your first year as head coach there, you guys went 13 games, a five win improvement from the previous year. You had the highest single season win total in the century. And obviously you guys did great things. You killed it on the recruiting trail. You brought in a freshman of the year and uh, Kevin Simpson. Did you feel validated as a head coach after that first? Season? I don't know. Validated is, is the right term. Um, but I definitely felt like I had figured it out. And, you know, the moment you feel that way, you, you're going to get whipped. And that's what happened. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that first year was a lot of just running and operating, you know, as fast as we could to try and get as good as we could. And uh, and while it might have worked in year one, you know, that same approach wasn't going to work going forward. You know, talk about, you know, again, you're running your own program for the first time. How much did you implement based from the guys that you worked for or even going back to like your high school playing career? Or did you have a lot in your mind just from you know, studying? I know you're a student of the game, just watching other coaches who, you know, you saw on TV or, you know, didn't necessarily work for, but implement a lot of their Yeah, stuff. but we, you know, obviously I knew our system at Lincoln Memorial – really really well offensively and defensively I knew we were going to be you know a man-to-man team I felt comfortable with that I knew we were going to run you know ball screen stuff that we had gotten from Kansas and ran at Lincoln Memorial and so like I knew how we were going to play uh really didn't deviate too much from that in year one and year two heading into my third year we were going to make some big adjustments offensively try and get more creative um with some of the younger guys we had we had brought in but, uh, but yeah, you know, I took a lot from Coach Lundy, a lot from Coach Schertz, um, and experience from, you know, working, working camps and, work, you know, talking to other coaches. So just trying to tried to blend it all together. A lot of it was Lincoln Memorial stuff and High Point stuff, but just trying to blend the experience I had together uh, was really important in those first couple of years and, and trying to evolve and stay relevant. Talk about your coaching staff at d and what do you remember about the team camp I drove up to work? <laughs> we had, well, first of all, I pre anybody that comes to Elkins to help out with a camp is, uh, is okay in my book. So we had, uh, yeah, I had a really good staff at, at Davis and Elkins and by really good staff, I mean, you know, Jay Reed, um, and, and Josh Wamsley, Josh was there, you know, to help me the first couple of years he had played at Elkins. He was from Elkins. So he knew the landscape, he knew the people. Josh was really valuable to me my first couple of years, just getting the program started, who I need to know, who I need to talk to. Uh, Josh was really good. He's now an assistant at Alderson Broadus, and he's doing well with his family. So I'm, I'm happy for Josh. But but Jay Reed was, you know, very instrumental in, uh, in, in what we did at Elkins. I mean, I can't you – know, Jay is a great friend. He, he works for Josh now for Coach Shirts. Um, so that makes me really happy and really proud to see the success that Jay is having. But, but our staff, you know, and Jay and I were trying to run it, the two of us full time, we we're trying to run Davis and Elkins like we were running Lincoln Memorial. And, you know, Lincoln Memorial, we had two GAs by the time I left. We had uh, three assistants. So, you know, we're, we're just running, we're, you know, we're running Davis and Elkins like it's, uh, like it's a high, 
a high D2. And, you know, at the time we, we thought we could do it and we did. We did a really good job that first year. We tried to hang on for dear life and into our second year. Um, but, but Jay was, you know, tremendous. Jay is really good with the players, his player relationships, I think are second to none, does a great job with individual workouts, great job with recruiting. He knows guys. He has, he has great contacts, you know, from South Carolina all the way to DC because of our time together. So Jay was really instrumental in, in any success we had at uh, Davis and Elkins. You know, you're the head coach for two years there. What were some of the challenges you face as a first-time head coach as far as running a program? Uh, what you, can, you know, kind of to what I touched on, Dave, you can't do everything like you did at Lincoln Memorial at High Point, right? Um, I, I think one thing that I learned at, at Davis and Elkins that has served me really well as a high school head coach is – you can't just roll in and blow it up and do what you think is right because it's what you've always done at your previous stops. I think you have to spend a lot of time in balancing your evaluation and your emotion, right? Your emotion is your ego telling you, you know, you just go ahead and do it. And evaluation has to be a huge part of any undertaking in any career, but especially when you're dealing with young men trying to, you know, uh, provide an experience for them that you want to be second to none. You can't do it the same way at Davis and Elkins as you did at High Point or as you did it at Lincoln Memorial. And you can't do what you did at Lincoln Memorial as what you did at High Point. You can't do, you know, I can't do at the high school level what I what I what I would want to do, you know, at a division two school. So the challenge is to really learn the landscape, evaluate the landscape of, you know, your institution and then take your core values and build your program around what fits, you know, with your core values and within the institution, you know, um, so making sure you get the right kind of people, the right kind of recruits, the right kind of coaching staff, you know, you can't just walk in, can't just walk in, change everything and expect it to work. You know, I think that was a mistake that I made when I first got to, to Davis and Elkins, but, uh, you know, other challenges, you know, like, like when you're the head coach, you're managing everything, right? So you're managing relationships with alumni, you're managing relationships with your players, managing relationships with, um, with professors. So the management aspect, uh, you know, was definitely a challenge. It's a new league. There's new logistics, there's new travel, um, you know, recruiting territory. Although I thought we had a good landscape, I didn't have any contacts in that landscape, you know? So uh, just challenges maybe I didn't expect uh, that I'm after a couple of years of evaluation, you know, the, the, the landscape is different and my thoughts are different about how I would handle it. So, you know, I think uh, the challenges, you know, being prepared and being ready are two different things, Dave. You know, I, I was preparing for five years to be a head coach. Was I ready to act on all those things I had set out to, to do and act accordingly? Uh, was I ready to do that and take those those actions? I don't know. You know, I know I was prepared. Maybe I wasn't ready. So I think there's a difference when people talk about being prepared and being ready. You know, I had a vision. I had a style of play. I had a recruiting system I wanted to implement and, and contact system I wanted to implement. I was, I was prepared, but I don't know if I was ready to take the right kind of action. So challenges, you know, un unfortunately for me, Dave, a lot of them were self-inflicted when I was at Davis and Elkins. I was young and, and I was uh, – I was just flying by the seat of my pants. Now that's, that's great stuff, coach. I, I think that, uh, you know, being ready and being prepared, like you said, two very different things, but, uh, no, I think listeners really get a lot out of that. Now 
I'm always I'm, I'm brutally honest and open on this podcast. You know, you offered me a non-paid assistant coaching position. You arranged for me to get a, a an on-campus job, and so I could have some income. Talk about that two-week strip, including <laughs> uh, <laughs> calling me after I posted a picture online of me in a Hulkamania shirt <laughs> with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Well, you know, like I think. It goes back to what we talked about making Lincoln Memorial so special. You know, there's, there's, there's one rope and everyone's pulling it in the same direction. Um, and that's what makes the elite programs really, really elite. Everyone who's got a hand on that rope is walking in the same direction, pulling it in the same direction towards the same vision and the same mission. Um, and so you know, when you're at a smaller school like Davis and Elkins, maybe you can't do things quite the same way. You're not dealing with the same kind of personalities. You know, maybe there might be some hands that go on and off that rope and you don't know which way it's going. So I think, you know, without, uh, without going too far into detail, you know, the, the, the rope, the rope was split into a lot of pieces and there were a lot of people pulling in different directions. And, uh, you know, which is a great learning experience for me. I mean, you know, to, to be able to run the program and do what we did in two years, maybe feel really proud uh, of where we're headed. I know the program's in a better place when I left than it was when I got there. So, you know, you want to, you know, that two week stretch, I had, I had a lot of two week stretches there, man, that were like that. So uh, that rope, the rope was splitting off, uh, splitting off all the time, but, um, but no, you know, it's a tough two week stretch for me, obviously difficult for you. And, uh, you know, it, it says a lot about your your character and your personality that we're 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 still connected this uh, this far down the line. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll forever be loyal, and I know, uh, you know, from time to time throughout the years, I'll text you, man, like, man, what could have been? Or I was, you know, I was so excited. You know, I look forward to yeah. reconnecting at some point, and uh, you know, it, I say full disclosure, man. If people look at my coaching philosophy, they'll really uh, notice the same <laughs> format as. Uh, <laughs> And yours man you were so generous to uh because i was like man, what the hell is this, what's it supposed to look like you're like yeah here look at mine and uh obviously i, I changed it and really tailored it to myself but uh no nah, i mean uh, again for those two things no I'll well you know someone grateful. did it for me and and that's that's how that's how you got to look at coaching is you know like we're not just coaching young guys we're here to help everybody and help everybody in our profession it's such a fun uh such a fun profession to be a part of it's so fraternal, you know, because you're all, everyone's in it for the same reasons, you know, to, to help and to serve and, and to make others better, you know, because of your, your influence. So, you know, of course that, that, that goes without saying, you know, generosity, Dave goes without saying, because, you know, someone paid it forward to me. So I hope you share it with the next guy. No doubt. Now, after D&E, uh, you know, I, I remember you accepted a high school job. So after, after Davis and Elkins, I left Davis and Elkins in, uh, in, in, in September, end of September, about two weeks before the season was supposed to start. It would have been my third year. We had brought in uh, 11 high school players. We'd had some defections from the year, defections from the year before, um, brought in a bunch of high school players, ended up having the, the you know, first team all-conference player, freshman of the year. We had a really good class came in, um, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to to be with them. But uh, I spent six months doing corporate sales. I moved to Richmond, Virginia, lived uh, nearby some of my best friends, 
spent six months doing corporate sales for business technology and I was really good at it, you know, made, made some good money, looked at some figures on a check that I'd never seen before. And I probably will never see again, but, uh, I, I hated it. You know, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I didn't like it. I didn't like putting a shirt and tie on the thought of going door to door and selling uh, business technology in the summer when I should have been in shorts and a t-shirt in the gym, you know, running a camp or working out with guys. You know, I, 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 I didn't like it. And uh, I accepted a high school coaching job in Nashville, Tennessee. I was going to coach a private school there. I accepted that coaching job um, in, in end of April of 2016 and uh, had packed all my stuff. I had, it's a true story, Dave. I had the U-Haul packed in my apartment in Richmond. I had the U-Haul packed. I had my car stocked up. Um, I was driving out to tow my car. I was driving from Richmond to Virginia to, to Nashville. I'd made arrangements to stay with Cam Wicker uh, at, at Lincoln about halfway. So you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm sleeping on the floor and, and that night before I was supposed to leave, Coach Shirts called me and his assistant coach, Davis Fisher, had resigned, um, in which case he offered me a job, changed it up. I went back to Lincoln. I, I, I told the school in Nashville, which I, you know, which is a really hard conversation. I told them I wasn't going to be able to accept. I had a better opportunity. Went to Lincoln for one more year. We went to the Elite Eight. Uh Spent a lot of time with like the first real group of guys that I had, I had recruited to Lincoln, Paul Woodson, Hunter Spa, Laquan Choice. Like we had a great group of dudes, Javier Gonzalez, that I got to spend a lot of time with and reconnect with. And after that year, I was kind of ready for a change. I'd been doing college for uh, 12 years, you know, between High Point and, and after. Uh, I'd been away from my family for, you know, for for you know, 12, 14 years, almost at this point now, 14 years. And I decided that, uh, you know, maybe a change might not be so bad. I, I came back and took a job coaching at Hudson Falls High School for uh, an athletic director who had been a mentor of mine for a, a many number of years. He was a Division three coach up here in New York, and, and we have become and, and still are very close. I worked for him for two years, got my teaching degree while I was uh, coaching there. And now I'm coaching at South Guns Falls, which is in the same area where I grew up. And, uh, you know, we're, we have a young program. We're trying to rebuild it. But uh, it was a good opportunity for me to get back home, spend more time with my family. You know, 30. Uh, Dave, you've been there. You can appreciate it. You know, you're 32, 33, living in Harrogate. It's time to time to make some adjustments, man. You know, you're one of the few coaches who have been on staff with uh, Coach Church and then Coach Lundy. Talk about how competitive that rivalry is between Queens and Lincoln Memorial. And, you know, what are some things that you learned from each well, of those I, two coaches? You know, they're both in, in incredibly competitive. And they're both incredibly um, driven. You know, so I think that rivalry – uh, and, and their background, their their relationship only feeds into it. You know, um, both want to. I think there's an, an, an immense sense of pride for both of them and their relationship. And because of that, there's also that that you know the unrelenting desire to beat the other one. You know, I think it's just a 
with all the success that they've both had, it's like we, we're going to duke it out every year to go to the Elite Eight to go to the to win the region. And that's kind of how they look at it. So I know that uh, their competitiveness is just off the charts, uh, off the charts special. But uh, Coach Lundy, you know, I think he's taught me and he taught me kind of between high point and his Division One experience as a head coach, assistant coach, back to Division Two. He's had to adapt, he's had to evolve, and he's had to kind of reinvent himself from stop to stop uh, after some difficulty at high point. And that's kind of how I view my situation. You know, I'm constantly trying to reinvent myself, adapt, evolve, become a better coach at whatever level. And I think I took that away from Coach Lundy, you know, what he did after his sixth year at high point. You know, he, uh, he, he went on to become a Division I assistant. Uh, in, in multiple spots, he came back and he was at Queens for a second time. He's rebuilt that program and to reconnect with him, you know, it's really helped me to adapt and evolve um, and just look at my career as a, like, like it's not, you know, it's a storybook that's not written. This is just a small chapter of, of what, you know, what I'm doing. And, and that's what I've taken from Coach Lundy, his ability to, you know, be resilient, to learn, to adapt, evolve and and continue to have success no matter where he's gone. I'm, I'm thankful for him for that. Coach Schertz, you know, I'm forever indebted to, I think I said it at the onset of this, but he taught me the how-tos, you know, how to work, how to recruit, how to manage, how to evaluate. You know, Coach Schertz taught me the how-to, uh, you know, how to be successful in this profession. And, um you know, for that, like, I'm, you know, I'm eternally grateful for that because, you know, it's, it's helped me to get where I am today, not only as a, as a coach, but also a person, you know, his, his influence on me was top to bottom, you know, learning how to work, learning, you know, how to prioritize and manage things. And, uh, you know, so, so both those guys have had a huge impact on me but in very different ways, which I think is really cool to take away from that coaching staff uh, when we're all first together at High Point. You know, you, you talk about how you return to the Empire State, you know, you're, you're teaching, you're coaching high school. What's it like coaching high school and, and not having to go out and recruit a, a roster? You got to get really creative and you gotta you gotta really get them to buy into you and to trust you and and that is really hard because you're dealing with guys that are 16 17 18 as opposed to you know 19 20 21 so that difference in age is it can be challenging um now you don't have to, you know you don't have to go recruiting so like you're you're home you know you're with your wife you're you're with your family so that part's cool uh that's a really special opportunity that high school provides but in terms of, uh, you know, coaching is different. Coaching is coaching, right, at every level because it starts with relationships. So you just got to figure out how to create the best relationships, how to, you know, create the best experience for your players at that level. And I think that's what it comes down to, to being a successful coach, because the, the experience that you create for your guys or girls, you know, really, it's all based on your ability to create relationships and that those just have to be different at every level. It has to be a little bit different at every level. You've had a lot of great coaching moments in your career, but what would you say? So top, top three, you know, <laughs> um, 
experience wise, I'm not talking, you know, you can say like being named head coach, like all that stuff's fun, but like, um, experience wise, I think there are three moments that really stick out. The first was, um, when we won my, my one year back at Lincoln Memorial in, in 16, 17, we won the NCAA Southeast regional final. We were at Queens. We were the two seed. We beat coach Lundy's team to go to the elite eight. Um, and that was like to share that moment with guys that I had recruited five years ago who were redshirt seniors, Paul Woodson, Laquan Choice, one of the best players in Lincoln's history, um, you know, like Hunter Spa, Javier Gonzalez, to share that moment with them and to come back, you know, after, you know, four years or three years away, four years away and say, man, I didn't, I didn't mess anything up this year. Uh, we had a good team. I didn't break it. Uh, by being back, you know, that was really, really special. I mean, I, you know, I, I cried during that, during that win and guys were making fun of me and I'm, I'm yelling at them, but you know, that was a really special moment because of the people I got to share it with Cameron, obviously coach shirts, obviously. And then this past season in 2019, uh, the team, the high school team, I was coaching at South Mountain Falls. We went in our, our third game of the year, we won an overtime game, um, you know, we won an overtime game on the road against a good team. Um, you know, our best player had had 37 points, um, you know, none of which had to do with me. He just went out and made plays. And, uh, you know, like to see how excited they were, you know, to win, which, you know, we're, we're in a program where we're trying to rebuild and restructure and reframe and, and reculturalize, you know, to see them win win a close game, win a close game in overtime, win a close game in overtime on the road, you know, to see the joy that they had from that as our third game of the year, but to see that joy and to be able to draw back, you know, to revert back to that experience throughout the season and throughout our off season was really special. You know, like, hey, like you, you've proven you can do this. What do we need to do to do this consistently? You know, but the joy they had when they celebrated the overtime win, you know, like that, that was really cool. That was really cool. And then I think the third, the third thing, Dave, is kind of broad, but whenever guys reach out or whenever you reconnect with, with former players, you know, like there's nothing better than I had, I had a kid, you know, that I coached two years ago at high school, come, came over and said, hello, what's up coach? How you been? We talked for five or 10 minutes about where he's in college right now. As that happened last week. Like that's really special. Um, whenever, the group text of Luquan and Paul and Hunter, those guys get going, the, the four or five, six of us get talking together in our group chat. That's really special. Talking to Kevin Bracey Davis from um, Davis and Elkins, who's now playing professionally overseas. And he's having, you know, incredible success. Uh, you know, like those conversations are the reasons you coach. And that's the most enjoyable part for me. Uh, is, is even when, you know, I'm not great at it. I'll be the first one. I'm not great at reaching out to former players, but when we do talk or reconnect like that, that's really, really special. What are some things looking back on? Uh, and cause I know that you've, you've been under a lot of athletic directors, some things that separate good ADs. From um, not you know, I think number one would be, and this goes for the coach too, like um, communication. And, you know, the, the goal is not to win a conversation. 
the goal has to be to have the conversation, right? So if there's something going on in your program or in at your institution that you need or, or with you uh, that needs to be addressed, you know, A, you can't be afraid of the conversation. B, you have to be in the conversation. So you can't handle it like, uh, like you're just going to dominate the solution. Um, you have to be in the conversation with your athletic director, with your building principal, with your leader. You know, you have to be in the conversation, understand both sides of it, and then come to a conclusion together. I think one thing that, that young coach Cottrell did was just trying to handle everything. And now I know, listen, there are a lot of people that know a lot more about a lot of stuff than I do. And the more you learn, Dave, I think the more you realize you don't know. So to, to, you know, that's a long answer, but I think, I think what makes a great, you know, athletic director is the same thing that makes a great coach that makes a great uh, business leader is the ability to communicate and then be in challenging conversations with the sole purpose of hearing the other side, you know, not just to make a decision or not just to win uh, a tough conversation or win a debate, but to hear the other side and to come to the best conclusion, you know, for everyone involved, because you're making, you know, I, I tell, I tell our high school program coaches this all the time. I'm going to make decisions that impact our seventh graders, our, our younger kids, somehow, some way they're going to be impacted by every decision I make. So to think that I'm just going to go, and tell my athletic director what I'm doing or vice versa to think that he's going to come and tell me what we're doing, you know, without taking everyone into account when that you lead, you know, I think, I think that makes a great leader, a, a great communicator, um, a great coach, a great AD, you know, the ability to be in tough conversations, make the best decision for everyone involved, not just being a tough conversation to win it. I love that. Coach, you know, you, you touched on early on in the podcast uh, that you you started your own podcast. What led you to start one up and tell listeners about it? I know that obviously Division Three has a really uh, popular podcast. I know D1 has multiple. But I yeah, so really I, I think, number you know, podcast. first of all, there was a market for it. I thought uh, it was something I could do with my experience and do well uh, with the market for it. Second thing is uh, – you know, I don't think we're going to have a basketball season in New York this year, unfortunately. So unless I want to have the shortest marriage in recorded history, um, I need to find some to occupy my time because I don't think I don't think my wife was counting on me being at home at three o'clock every day, you know, October through uh, through March. So I need to find something to occupy my time. And, um, you know, but seriously, like, you know, like there's so much good basketball division two, you know, this Dave, there's so many good players, so many elite coaches at division two, you know, everyone's tweeting about division one starting D two started 10 days ago, you know, 12 days ago. Um, there are really good teams, really good programs, really good coaches at the division two level. And I felt like we needed to shine a light on them, you know, from a, from a, like, 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 let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate how good they are. Let's popularize division two. So let's tweet about it. Let's Instagram about it and let's you know, promote it. You know, like what's coming up that we need to know about. And, you know, how can I do that? I, I you know, just best I can getting tweets out social media and, and talking about, it. I love talking basketball. So I've gotten to host, I think seven top 10 coaches, you know, 11, 10, nine coaches in all. I've, I've spoken with John McCarthy, the founder of small college basketball, 
been able to talk basketball. Um, and that's why I love doing this, you know, just being able to talk hoop and talk coaching. So that, you know, that, that's why we're doing it. That's why I'm doing it. I love basketball. I guess I'm going to pass my time and what better way to do that than to shine a light on, you know, the best basketball that no one's talking about. No question. Coach, we've come on the segment I call start bench cut. I give you three okay. things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Uh, Nike, Adidas, oh, uh, Under Armour. Start Nike, you know, bench Under Armour and cut Adidas for sure. Okay. Uh, Jordan, uh, Toby. You know, I, gosh, that's a tough one. Jordan, you know, you start Jordan, I think, uh, number one. Start Jordan and uh, and and you know bench Kobe, and I think you cut LeBron. These are tough. These are tough, man. Okay, I'm with you on that. <laughs> That's why they pay you the big bucks. Uh, Chick Fil A. Oh, I'm cutting Bojangles, and uh, I'm starting. I'm starting Chick Fil A, and, and Cookout's definitely on the bench, but top two for sure. Man, no, that would be an automatic cut. Like Golden Corral. I I did enough of that. (laughs) Uh, J. Cole, Uh, Drake. Definitely start Drake, bench J. Cole, and cut Kendrick Lamar. Yep. Okay, two more left. Uh, Semi pro. Oh, starting White Men Can't Jump. jump. Uh, Benching Celtic Pride. And unfortunately, I cut semi pro. Okay, last one. Hoop Dirt, Verbal Commits, Jeff Oh, Redden, uh, as Hoop Twitter Dirt follows. first. Got to start Hoop Dirt. Uh, I think, you know, um, I, I, I got to go Verbal Commits on the bench, and I cut Jeff Goodman. Yep. Awesome. I like this question, Dave. I think, you know, I think if you want to talk to a great head coach that no one's talking about um, – you know, Andre Cook, he's a really close friend of mine. He's the head coach at St. Edwards University. He's from upstate New York, but St. Edwards is in Austin, Texas. He's done a great job transforming uh, transforming that that program, Division II. Then you got to talk to an elite assistant coach, so Jay Reed at Lincoln. Definitely got to talk to Jay. And then I think you should talk to an administrator, you know, some sort of athletic administrator, and I would say, you know, Cameron Wicker. All guys that I know – but give you three levels to, to go through. I like those coach. What advice do you have? And I know you've given it throughout the podcast advice that you have for young coaches trying to get into the business and, or trying. So to move first, up the you know, I mean, the most basic advice I could give is to, you know, stay humble. Um, you know, humility and being able to laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously is 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 vitally important because it's such a cutthroat profession. You know, the moment you think you've arrived is is the moment that uh, that 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 you you fall off the ladder. You know, the moment you think you've arrived is is not what not what it seems. Um, so you got to be humble and, and like laugh at yourself, not take yourself too seriously. You know, so so stay humble no matter what, you know, what aspect of your career you're in. You know, humility and, and is really important. 
if you're trying to break into the profession, you know, be relentless um, and, and be relentless in good ways. You know, be relentless with your work ethic, be relentless with your ability to form relationships or your willingness to form relationships, be relentless with, you know, with your, uh, with, um, with how, you know, how will your willingness, you know, to do what is asked. I think a lot of coaches have, uh, or a lot of young coaches have this idea that they're just going to put on a suit and coach, you know, coach uh, Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina. And like there, there are number one, there are a ton, a ton of really freaking good coaches out there. And uh, not just at the highest level. Like there are really good coaches in high school, in uh, junior college, D3, D2, NAIA. Like there are really good coaches at every level. So you're not just going to put on a suit and tie and, and go win games. You got to learn. You got to be relentless in your work ethic. Be relentless in how you learn. Like you have to learn and expand. Like there are a lot of really good recruiters out there. There are a lot of really good X and O coaches out there. There are a lot of really good individual, you know, and player development guys out there. Can you do it all? Uh, I, I would say, can you do it all? That's one thing that Coach Shirts really stressed to me was, you know, what what are you going to do if this happens? You need more experience in this area. You need more uh, work in this area. So be broad, you know, be relentless, be broad. Um, and, and don't stop learning. You know, the best part about uh, – best part about this podcast and the best part about speaking with you, Dave, and the best part about having uh, the, the pandemic and time off has been, you know, the ability to learn, you know, I've, I've watched more film and, and read more books than, you know, I would have gotten the chance to, if we weren't in quarantine, we weren't, if we were having a season. So stay, keep learning, you know? Um, yeah. I think just being relentless in anything you do and then prioritize, you know, prioritize. And if you're looking to move up, if you're looking to move up, do it the right way, you know, be loyal, um, be honest and, and do your best, you know, do your best wherever you're at. Right. So make the big time where you're at. People say that all the time, but do your best, you know, do your best where you're at and, and the accolades, the spoils, the jobs, the opportunities, those will all come, come knocking on your door. Coach, if listeners want to get in touch with you, reach out, have questions, what happened. Yeah, I would, I would be more than happy to answer uh, emails. You can email me at, uh, um, I think it's bonafide.basketball.pod at Gmail. So bonafide, one word, dot basketball.pod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter, uh, underscore coach, underscore Cottrell. So you can find me, you know, on social media, find me on, um, find me through email, but I'd be more than happy to talk to whoever has questions. Coach, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy schedule to, you know, hop on the pod, reconnect, catch Dave, up. Dave, this was awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, time, for thinking man. of me, and, uh, you know, continued success going forward. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.